Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. If you've been in healthcare for a while, you're probably an expert at acronyms from CMS to CARCS and RARCS to FIRE. But even veterans of the healthcare industry can feel like newbies with the new acronyms related to the transmission of clinical data and the interoperability policies emerging from the federal government. Talking about acronyms like QHINS and TEFCA. If this sounds like you, and it certainly sounds like me, you're at the right podcast, because today we have as our guest, Dr. John Blair, CEO of MedAllies, a company that is a candidate QHIN. Dr. Blair is going to walk us through this alphabet soup and tell us why knowing about these organizations and what they do is important to getting the right clinical data to the right person at the right time. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. I'm Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous is modernizing the healthcare financial experience for all. I also serve as the Policy Committee Chair for WEDI, that's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And this is the Collective Voice of Health IT, a WEDI podcast. As I said, today we're excited to talk to Dr. John Blair, CEO of MedAllies. MedAllies delivers clinical health information by operating multiple national networks, supporting interoperability for over 700 hospitals and 100,000 providers. Dr. Blair has been CEO of MedAllies for over two decades. Before that, he was president of a 5,000 physician association in New York State. As mentioned at the top, MedAllies is a candidate for Qualified Health Information Network, or QHIN. John, welcome, and so very glad to have you here on The Collective Voice. Yes, Matt, and I'm happy to be here today. Looking forward to the conversation. Terrific, terrific. So, John, uh, maybe we start with a little bit about yourself. Um, uh, before working for MedAllies, before you were the head of a physician association, you were a surgeon. Um, tell us a little bit about your career and, and how you got to be uh, now in, in MedAllies. Um, how far do you want me to go clear back to my teenage years when I broke horses and Hey, that sounds good. If that's if that's where it started. <laughs> if that's where it started, that's actually that sounds like an excellent place to start. I like that. Yeah, no, I can't I, I I won't drag you through all that, but it's true. Anyway, um let's let's go back to my surgery years and my residency and training. I was I trained at Parkland Hospital surgery, uh, surgical program in Dallas, and that program at the time was it was the University of Texas Southwestern's program, and they were doing some innovative things around registries and looking at the outcomes um, for the surgical department and in other departments, and I got pretty interested in quality and and really figuring out um, uh, performance for the reason of, of improvement, not for punitive reasons. And I, I was in academics uh, for a while, ended up going into private practice in New York, uh, north of New York City, and was uh, very enthusiastic about taking some of this software into the community to do um, registry evaluation of outcomes for surgical procedures. And I thought it was a great idea. And about half the community loved it. And the other half wanted to run me out of town on a rail because they didn't, they couldn't believe that someone would want to be looking, looking under the 
rocks and and how they were performing. So I, I've been at that from from the beginning, and uh, I didn't prevail with that one, but ended up carrying out um, a lot of quality improvement efforts when I was in practice at the uh, at the regional hospitals. Um, I became involved with a an independent practice association and ultimately became the president of that association. It was uh, uh, it grew to a 5,000 doctor uh, independent practice association in Eastern New York. And we were very engaged in multiple projects looking at quality improvement. And the, the, that was really the things we were doing there was the genesis of why I founded MedAllies. And I'll never forget it at one of the medical council meetings that we had every month. We ended up in the same argument that we always got into, which was primary care docs would not get information back from the specialists they referred to. And the specialists complained about never getting information from the primary care docs as to why the patients went there. And I'll never forget turning to one of my colleagues and I said, I can't take it anymore. I said, I'm going to start a company and we're going to, we're going to address um, getting information back and forth between providers. And we'll, and, and he said, well, how long do you think that's going to take? I said, we'll knock it off within the next five years. Well, here I am um, over 20 years later and the next five years from now is not going to finish it. So anyway, it's been a journey and, and that work initially that we did at Taconic IPA again was what spurred me on to found MedAllies, which was initially just supposed to be a company in New York's Hudson Valley over about six uh, counties working with providers to implement off-the-shelf technology strictly for the purpose of improving quality and efficiency in their practices. But it was really geared at patient care, patient outcomes, uh, and patient experiences. And what happened is we went through implementing electronic health records. We started a health information exchange and uh, we're really ahead of our time with some of the, many of the things we did. And, and what, what, again, as I said, we, we ran a health information exchange, a traditional health information exchange for about 10 years to about 2010. And this was MedAllies operating it. And um, then as the direct project came about, around 2011 and 12, there was work we were doing in the region that actually was picked up um, by some of the thinking in direct. And I got pulled into what was going on at a national level at that point at, with ONC. And we became part of the direct project's efforts, did one of the initial reference implementations. And then that led to afterwards several large EHR vendors saying, you've been in this from the beginning. If, if when this rolls out to, to national networks for meaningful use too, we'll use you if you guys grow. Uh, that was a real turning point for MedAllies. It went from a, a regional company to a national company. We rolled out a national network and um, I, had, I couldn't 
run the IPA anymore. I had walked away from my practice five years before that because there was just too much. And we then became a company really focused on interoperability in these networks, but it was not just to connect. I mean, our from the beginning, we've had clinical leadership with myself, our chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Holly Miller, who came on uh, about 13, 14 years ago, um, uh, and others in the in the organization that are clinical. It was always about driving to um, better use of the of, of, of these systems and creating the ability for disparate systems in different disparate clinical settings to actually operate as one virtual system. I mean, in my mind, interoperability really at the end of the day should work like an integrated delivery system on one platform so that so that when you're moving between uh, settings, it's all coordinated within the system. So um, we that that's what the way we've always been, and that uh, that's how we tackled direct. We were very focused on transition of care, primary care referral to specialty, and and back for discharge, um, particularly to primary care. I mean, I remember in the day, and and the and the industry numbers uh, bore that out. Half the time, a patient was hospitalized when they saw their primary care provider the first time after hospitalization, half the time the primary care, care provider did not even know they'd been in the hospital. Now it's much better now, but there's still a way to go. So anyway, that that's kind of the story of, of me, what drove me to this, what drove Med Allies, uh, found that being founded and what our real core mission and purpose has been from the beginning. And that has never changed. Now, I mean, many things have changed as to what we do, but at the end of the day, that's our core. So I I, I love that story because it sounds like from back when you were in, in med school or as a resident, right, you were already interested in the data. You were already interested in, in uh, quality measures or how to think through that or how to collect data. Uh, but it also seems like the technological innovation over those uh, over those years must have been extremely rapid. And, and I'm not sure how to ask this question, but um, to what extent do you think that the technology, um, that, that, that that interoperability in healthcare is behind the technology? In other words, we've got all the technological tools we need. We just got to think about business processes and breaking down the complications and standardizing things. Or is it that that we really didn't have the technology to get where we want to go up until most recently? I'm interested in your perspective on how technology relates to to progress and, and what you've been working on your whole life. Well, technology is um, foundational or certainly integral to all of this. Um, I mean, I you know I, I don't want to really get into health policy and the the met you know the the health system and the reimbursement model, but to a, to a great degree, um, part of our problem has been uh, a misalignment on the incentives to, to do good interoperability. Um, I've always felt that if that was better aligned, this would happen faster because um, the providers would demand it then and it would have moved faster. So it's made the the hill more steep, 
Um, but back to your question about technology, it's integral. And as I watch this through your basic HIE with, you know, HL7 interfaces to the HIEs from the hospitals to the IHE profiles, uh, then with direct the ability to send information between these settings. And now with um, QHINs, which go off the kind of the care or quality um, model, which is the poll, uh, and and also the basic advancements in software development and the cloud and everything, all of those things have been important. I mean, the, the speed with which we're starting to move technically now never would have happened 20 years ago. So, so it, it's multifaceted or multifactorial and, and, you know, it, it's the technology, it's um, the, uh, the, the the whole thing around change management at the level of the practices in the hospitals. Um, and again, it's it's moving to value-based purchasing and looking more quality for for aligning. Um, all of those things play. But the the technology is you know absolutely a piece of it. And the advancement in the technology is facilitating uh, the rapidity of, of movement uh, today. Very good. Um, you mentioned uh, the misalignment of incentives and how that's a, an obstacle to, to interoperability. And uh, um, t- tell me uh, a bit more about the challenges maybe facing interoperability tonight, today. And, and maybe you um, can start with the misaligned incentives. I, I realize that's a structural thing. It's it's certainly healthcare is not going to change its uh, reimbursement and and uh, uh, structure anytime soon, maybe. But but maybe start there. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, it, it's you know we're moving in the in the right direction. I mean the I mean this all comes out of Medicare and and sixty three and what was done there, and it was a great thing. And it, and and at the time that reimbursement, that, that was the first cut at it. And and the problem is, you know, 10 years in, there are the winners and losers um, within that reimbursement model. So, you know, backing out of it gets tougher. Um, but even, you know, even with those challenges, you know, particularly in the last decade, but, you know, really in the last two decades, as you look at ACOs and and different things that have been done, to more, you know, shared risk and 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 pushing more responsibility to the providers, um, that is happening. I, I mean, but you know, had we been reimbursing for good coordination of care per se in 2000, that's what I meant that it would move faster. It, it's certainly getting better, and as it as that um, as those incentives are more directed to quality and risk is is pushed further down to the providers that's that's going that's going to answer that question about how do we you know why do you start to care about better interoperability better coordination of care who you send patients to and everything because it ultimately is going to affect those quality measures and other things that you're now being reimbursed for so you know the the incentive piece on alignment. It, it you know it, it's much better than it was. I'm just was saying that that had it been uh, further along twenty years ago to move faster. Gotcha, <clears throat> gotcha. And and what are the other challenges you see to interoperability now at at this point in history? Well, well, 
we've only got what 30 minutes um, <laughs> anyway uh, I mean interoperability a lot of challenges one you got you know this just the whole connectivity um, challenge which has massively improved I mean I've watched it for 20 years so I mean there's just, I mean anybody that um, feels that we're not making progress or it's been too slow first doesn't understand the lift and secondly doesn't realize how far we've come um, however you you don't have um, really full connectivity across the healthcare system you've got 25 30 percent of hospitals that are not um, uh, connected to some of these national networks you've got a large, you know, a fair percentage of ambulatory providers, but then you start getting to other groups like post-acute care, then other stakeholder groups, um, payers, um, public health, et cetera. So there, there's many places where connectivity um, needs to be improved. So one, one piece is connectivity, but, you know, that only, that only lays the pipes to connect. You know, if, it, you know, if you've got a, a well-paved road and you're driving a, ter- a truck full of um, rotting fruit, you know, how, how great is that when it gets to its destination? So, you know, the the quality of the data, the, the completeness or even just as bad, the over-redundancy of it um, is, is is the next issue. So, you know, as you connect and as you expand and get more ubiquitous connectivity, you then follow right on with how you make the data better and more meaningful for the user. And then the last big one um, is the usability of the software. Um, And, you know, EHRs have improved dramatically, but, you know, I've said this before, if you were take, if it was one EHR and you were working on the software and the, the developers and the product owners and everything were all, you know, in the same with the same company, same EHR, and you were looking at care settings and transitions, you would be seeing what the sender's doing. You would be seeing what the receiver's doing, and you would be co- coordinating both ends of that. And, you know, when you've got disparate systems, you know, how do you get competing vendors? to coordinate that activity of those of, of 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 that transition. So that's a real challenge. And um so that's the last piece on how do you how do you one connect to get good better data and three get <clears throat> the software with the focus on human factor and usability <clears throat> so that whole loop, that whole piece of both sides is working well for the users. I mean, those, you know, those are the big pieces that still are there. And, and talk to me, talk to us a little bit about how QHIN fits into that. Um, Yeah. QHIN, I think is, uh, you know, I'm very bullish on QHIN. Um, You know, we, we did direct, we run that, a a national direct network for 10 years and it's, you know, pretty big and we probably have, you know, good 10 to 20% of the country on our network. So, you know, we're, we're running a large um, uh, direct network. When um, the announcement came for uh, on, under TEFCA for the, the QHINs, um, we weren't not, we, you know, we weren't doing that. 
Um, and I don't know that I would have jumped in had the leadership, um, the people that I know in leadership there um, been in place. You've got Mickey Trapathy, the head of ONC. You've got Marianne Yeager, the head of Sequoia that has the contract to oversee this. And you have Alan Swenson, um, the head of care of quality that, that has a lot to do with the technical stuff. All three of those people are terrific. I've worked with them. And and when I when I got the announcement, and I looked at who was in place. I told our team, I said, we're going to do QHEN. That was two weeks after the announcement, you know, and after their heads, you know, put their heads back on their shoulders. Um, we, we dug in. We built the network out in six months, went live, um, uh, um, got our numbers adequate to apply for a QHEN. And we've been all in since. Um, and I've only been more impressed. I mean, you keep seeing the new problems that are going to come up. There's no way to avoid them. Um, but the uh, deftness and the ability for these these people to tackle them is impressive. And uh, I, I'm, again, very bullish on QHENs. And I do think they're going to do a few things. They're going to address uh, what I talked about on on making connectivity more ubiquitous and covering uh, the waterfront better. That will happen because it's going to take some of this confusion of multiple networks and kind of consolidate that down. Um, uh, you're not going to have to go through multiple on ramps. I mean, hospitals are having to decide: Do I, you know, am I connected to this network and this network and this network? So some of that confusion is going to resolve uh, the legal issues of multiple contracts, which is not to be, you know, sneezed at. It will um, be taken care of with this. And you know, lastly, um, the 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 you know the piece that I, that I was talking about um, around quality, the, the Sequoia. Uh, among others, but Sequoia has taken this up and th there's a very focused effort now on what I was saying before, the pipes can be laid, but if the data that's going through it is not um, usable and good, you're going to have a problem. And there's a big effort that's part of that, that I think will tag right along with this and um, be part of this. So again, you know, I, I'm bullish on these QNs. It's not going to be simple. I've been part of rolling out a network of networks with direct. Um, and it's it's no joke, um, particularly around operations and support. You know, you're only as good as your worst network when you're a network of networks. So when there's message failures or delivery problems or document issues, that may not be your network. It could be the other network or the, an edge system on another network. If you don't have cooperation between these these uh, companies on that, um, you have a problem. And you know it was tough with direct. I see much more effort and thought into the collaborative piece of that for QN. So again, not naive. I've been through it. It's not going to be simple, but optimistic based on the leadership, based on understanding, uh, and again, also based on um, technology. I mean, technology is further along. So. Yeah, and, and you know what you said there, the QHIN and, and kind of defining it as a network of network, that actually lit a bell for me or rang a bell for me because that that made sense to me. I've been reading, you know, what a QHIN is and, re and really you kind of encapsulated there. 
uh, Qualified Health Information Network. And, and just to walk us back, this is the ONC. This is the federal government that is qualifying a health information network to be a network of networks. Do I have the kind of the process right? And this is what you're kind of going up to bat for? It, uh, uh, you know, there's one nuanced difference. So ONC is very much a part of this and it flows down through HHS and ONC. Um, but there is a cooperative agreement between ONC and Sequoia. So, so there's a public private partnership and Sequoia really is the one that is charged with um, designating these QHINs. So they put together the technical infrastructure requirements. They put together the standard operating procedures, the policies, the governance structure. So they're the ones doing that um, at the behest of, of ONC. Um, and, and so that's how that's going to work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks for Thanks for clarifying that. I appreciate it. So switching gears a little bit, we've got the QHAN. We've got this network of networks. Uh, we've got uh, uh, um, initiatives to try and clean up the data. From the point of view of, of a patient, what is going to change between now and five or 10 years from now, assuming the QHANs all get their – everything comes together on this project of interoperability? Me as a patient, what am I going to see different? Yeah, great question, because, you know, that's got to be top of mind for many and also a frustration for many that are, you know, you know patients and have family members that are patients um, at many levels. But I, I it, it, it's going to improve it. One, um, back again to what drove me to this and drove me to be a founder of MedAllies, this is going to improve quality. It's going to improve the health of a patient. It is going to improve the health or it's going to improve the national health. And th this will improve health because it's going to address a piece of um, coordination of care and connectivity, et cetera. So that will happen. It's going to improve efficiency um, uh, it, it, for people um, not having to show up two or three times for something they should show up one for once for. So it's gonna it's going to do those things on the healthcare side. It's also going to bring in other stakeholder groups. Um, but another specific thing it will do for patients, there's been a strong interest in patient access to their records. And that has been a struggle. And that that under TEFCA I is built to change. And, and, I, and I will say another thing that needs to be mentioned that TEFCA, you know, treatment has done, there's been a lot done on treatment for interoperability, but there are multiple other um, purposes and, you know, public health, um, federal agencies, payers, but consumers also. And this tackles that head on there, it, it, um, it, it's called IAS, Individual Access Services, under TEFCA, and the technology is there. Um, this could have happened, you know, a couple of, you know, be, you know, two, three years ago and be robust, but it's one thing to connect a patient um, so they can get their records. It's another thing to release those records. And because of certain policy reasons and concerns about knowing the identity on the requester, if it's really that patient, there's there's a myriad of, of obstacles. 
And those are addressed under TEFCA. So a connected entity that has the data under TEFCA, once individual access services go live and a consumer using those services wants their records, they have to respond under TEFCA. So that, that big block goes away next year. And I, I will say that it's likely that half the connected country um, by the end of 2024 will be responding to those patient requests. And they've never had that before. So yes, it, it helps the consumer in terms of their care, but it also dramatically opens the door for access. Very good. And I, I think, and even putting a date on that too, is I think that's very exciting, at least for many patients who are walking around with uh, uh, folders that look like encyclopedias. So well, just, just, just remember that comes yeah. from the guy that thought I, I would get interoperability going in five years. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> You, you've got a positive outlook, and and you know if I wished I, I wish I'd heard more about your rodeo days because you know maybe you got to, maybe you got it you maybe you're going to make those five seconds this time maybe maybe you're going to be able to wrangle these horses. So my my, my barrel racing times were pretty good. Were they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Doctor John, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to leave you with the last word. Anything that maybe we didn't touch on? Anything that you want to uh, tell our listeners? Uh, well, I just uh, you know I, I would just stay, say that. That, that this has been a long slog. Um, I know people are frustrated with how long it's taken, but if you look at the last few years, it's really starting to speed up. And it's really, you know, you had to connect to start to really get to improving the data. So it was never just one quick fix. And, and you know, we've gotten through a couple of the big hurdles and it, it it's, I think, you know, it's not looking rosy yet, but it, it is, you've got to be optimistic if you've been in this for a while and you're watching what's happening. And I applaud leadership um, uh, with how they've taken this because um, at times it's floundered and, you know, they're doing well. And certainly the other Q-Hens are just very excited about this. And, you know, I, I, I think that we're, we we are going to say, I, I think TEFCA is going to work. I think the QHINs will be successful. And I think it's going to be a very positive, um, uh, have a very positive effect on interoperability ultimately and patient care and health. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you, Dr. John. And I have to tell you, like we spent a lot of time on this uh, podcast talking about the challenges, healthcare administrative data, clinical data, uh, but you bring a definitely a sunshine into the room with your optimism and, and especially coming from somebody who's been slogging away at it for, for many years. Uh, we appreciate this discussion. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Terrific. So we've been talking today with Dr. John Blair, CEO of MedAllies. Hope you've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Thank you, John. This has been the collective voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. You can find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us. Be safe. And uh, part of being safe is go get your annual visit.